Open our eyes, dear Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we see 2nd Kings chapter 6 and here we see God's protection of and through Elisha. In verses 1 to 7, we see the sons of the prophets were overflowing in the land that they were living in and they had to build new settlements. So they asked Elisha's permission. And here we see the need for a leadership even among the spiritual leaders. You ought to obey your spiritual leader and consult with them regarding major decisions that you take. This helps you not only in making good decisions but also ensuring that it is the right plan according to God. They were themselves the sons of the prophets. They were also prophets then. But then they were willing to consult with the chief prophet Elisha and take his word and blessing before they did any major work. So while they were building up their settlements by cutting down trees from the Jordan, here we see an incident where one of the iron axes being used for cutting down the trees falling into the river. So this man is greatly worried because iron was very expensive during that point of time. Also, it belonged to another man. It was a borrowed axe. So it made much more sense because the loss was great. And then Elisha gives a solution for it. He cuts a stick off and he throws it into the river and he says, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. You see, in all the miracles, we see the person who receives a miracle has to do something. God does not peel off the banana and feed it to you. You need to do something. You need to exercise your faith for you to receive the miracle. If you are waiting for a miracle, are you ready to do what is required of you? Verses 8 to 13 shows us how God's protection was on Elisha. We see here that the king of Syria was trying to make war against Israel again and again. He tries various tactics but everything is revealed by the man of God Elisha to the king of Israel and therefore all the plans of the king of Syria are thwarted. So the king of Syria gets annoyed and he says, who is this spy who is working inside us who is revealing all our battle plans to the enemy. But then he is told that the man of God literally hears what you are talking in your bedroom. From this passage we see a few truths. One is that in the previous chapter if we read the last few verses we see that Naaman made a decision not to offer burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods but to the Lord. And also he says one thing when I go into the temple of Ramon with my master that is the king of Syria to worship there and he leans on my hand I bow down in the temple of Ramon. So may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Look at what Elisha says in reply. He doesn't say yes. And he doesn't say no, he just says go in peace. Being a man of God, he obviously cannot say, okay son, you go and bow down. But then he also knows that he is a Gentile who has just come into the Lord. He doesn't want to burden him more than he can bear. So he says go in peace or rather in indirect words he is saying may the God guide you in peace through this situation. After this incident we see that Naaman is not mentioned in any of these battles here. Here we see that the king of Syria makes all these plans. Probably Naaman would have come to an understanding that all these things are not pleasing to the Lord and therefore he might have taken retirement. So that is what I believe. So we see that even though we do not give explicit conditions for a person who is coming to Christ, Christ convicts a person of the things that he has to abandon in his life and to follow him. Christ when he met the fishermen, he said, cast away everything and follow me. So if you are to follow Christ, you need to live away all your earthly desires and follow Jesus. That's the way it was back then and that's the way it is till today.
Verses 14 to 17 shows us exactly how God was protecting Elisha. You see, the king of Syria sent a whole battalion of horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night, by camouflage, and surrounded the city when no one was aware. And you know, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was this army surrounding themselves on all sides. And he was very alarmed and he says, Oh, alas, my master, what shall we do? But Elisha is very calm. He says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, this servant must have been really puzzled. And then Elisha knows this and says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see the great chariot of fire and horses that came down for Elijah. Now you see it has been multiplied. We also see another thing here. Remember in the last chapter, Gehazi went behind the worldly riches of Naaman and tried to get him a portion. And hence, he was struck with the same leprosy that Naaman was struck with. And then he went away from the presence of Elisha. There is another man who has come in as the servant of the man of God. Earlier, we read his name, Gehazi. But here, it just mentions servant of the man of God. So you see, you might be a man of great name and fame and you might be serving God. But if you are not truthful to him, he will replace you with a nameless, faceless person. Secondly, we see when we are faced with insurmountable problems in our lives, we do not have to fear because for he, he who is with us is greater than he who is in the world. That's been promised to us in 1 John 4, 4 where we read, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Notice also that it was God who opened the eyes of this young man and only then he could see the spiritual reality. So a person normally is blind to the spiritual realm. Only God can open the eyes of a blind person. We are all blind until we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that may be done only when God opens us our eyes. So when we share the gospel to a person or when we share the love of Christ to a person, we need to pray that the Lord opens his or her eyes so that they may see the spiritual reality. You see, the horses and chariots were the ultimate sophisticated military weaponry in those days. But then, what did Elisha have? Elisha had chariots and horses, but then on top of it, they were of fire. So, you see, God's provisions always far exceed that of those in the world. So, do not run behind anything that is of the world because God can provide us with riches far higher than what the world can provide us. Verses 18 to 23 is really funny because now all these Syrians who have come down to catch Elisha are struck with blindness. And Elisha takes hold of them and he leads them back to Samaria, their stronghold. Not only can God open the eyes, God can also shut down the eyes as we see here. And then Elisha opens their eyes again just by praying to the Lord. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were in the middle of Samaria. Now the king of Israel is very bold and he says, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he says, No, you shall not kill them. You see, we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 20, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In the same chapter, we read again, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. What will happen if we repay evil for evil? It says in Proverbs 17, 13, Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. 
So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And thus we read, they prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to the master, the king of Syria. So the bands of Syrian raiders came now no more into the land of Israel. And then, after reading this verse, we come to verses 24 to 29, where it outlines how Ben Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. That's what happens when you do not follow back in the word of the God and then lead your life back in the sinful ways of your earlier days, or when you go astray. Verses 24 to 29 outlines the besieging of the city of Samaria. So, just the previous verse. we read that they came no more but then now we read that the king of syria gathered all his army and went up and besieged samaria so in those days cities used to have security of high walls around them and the only way to attack them was to have something called a siege a siege is where you surround a city on all sides and then dig a trench all around it and fill it with water or probably leave it as such so that the people from the city inside cannot come out or go in and all the economy and everything is stopped and thus the population will be forced to starve until they surrender this was the method of siege the very first recorded siege in history occurred about 1500 years before the birth of christ when the egyptian pharaoh thutmose iii led his army into the mesopotamian city for a siege Many great sieges have happened after that. One of the great sieges which was foretold in the Bible and which occurred exactly as it was prophesied in the Bible is that of the siege of Tyre which happened in the year approximately 330 BC when Alexander the Great sieged Tyre which we'll be seeing later on in our course of reading the Bible in Ezekiel. In modern times one of the most worst sieges was that of the siege of Leningrad during the World War 2 when Hitler sieged the city of Leningrad in Russia in the year 1941. Adolf Hitler literally wanted to lay siege and starve the city of 3 million inhabitants of Leningrad into submission. The siege went on for 872 days from September 1941 to January 1944. During that time, they were also bombed from above by the Luftwaffe, namely the German Air Force. and they were the people inside approximately 3 million inhabitants were forced to contend with extreme hunger freezing temperatures and also widespread disease people became so desperate that they ate everything from wallpaper paste to shoe leather to supplement their hunger some even resorted to cannibalism by the time this siege ended the russians had a victory over adolf hitler but then it was a very tragic victory because out of the 3 million inhabitants about 1 million of them had died similarly we see here when the siege was happening in samaria a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and dough droppings the dropping of a dough was sold for 5 shekels of silver 5 shekels of silver is more than a month's salary for a laborer imagine that finally here too they turned to cannibalism one woman killed her son and both of them ate and then the other woman would not give her son to eat look at the 
situation here. It was very severe. This was also prophesied in Deuteronomy 28 where we read about the curses that would come upon the people of Israel if they rejected the covenant that God had made with them. Part of the chapter describes the horrors that will come upon the people. They shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 52 to 53. So these things happened upon Israel because they went astray from God and they rejected him and abandoned the covenant he made with them to not follow the ways of the other worldly people. This serves as a great reminder for us to follow in the words of the Lord and uphold the covenant that he has made with us. May God bless these words. Amen.